Welcome to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. What's up? It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief, a.k.a. Ryan Brandell. I am Pat Boyle. Uh, the Hawks fall to Carolina and St. Louis this week. Uh, Carolina, I think, is one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. They are. And I think they showed it. Yep. And I think St. Louis is finding themselves here with the big win at Colorado, Vegas. They've had like four in a row now, I feel like. Where they, four, maybe five, where it seems like they're kind of putting it together. Because I think the last time we talked, we were talking like, there might be in a lottery, you know, yeah. going for Bedard right, and Fentilli right. with us. So, yeah, they've really kind of turned it around, uh, which is probably good for the Blackhawks ultimately. So, and, and there were a couple moments in that Blues game where I'm like, Oh, here we go. Yeah. Like they, they, some, like uh, they miss Seth Jones. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. yeah they, it, uh, it was, um, and then the, the, the odd love, and I, I guess I'm guilty of it too, because the, the Blackhawks just had the dad's trip, mm-hmm. but this like making it about the blues moms and, and like with all due respect to the St. Louis blues, it was the first time they ever invited the moms. The dads have gone nine consecutive times. Oh, I'm like, yeah. Welcome to, you know, 2004 <laughs> St. Louis Blues. They leased up some six year old skates. They, you know, I like mean, they were driving people around. They I deserve mean, a little shine. I mean, a like, love. did they say, hey, you know what? You're not even going to cook on this this yeah. mom's trip. You got, we're going to take you to dinner. I, I hope so. I, I hope I hope they they did the the first class thing the whole way. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. Uh, but uh, but it looked like that, you know. And it's nice to see the moms and the Hawks yeah. do the alternating thing every other year. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So uh, it's nice to see St. Louis kind of catch up in that regard. So we we could talk about you know the loss to Carolina and St. Louis and what that means big picture and rebuild and all that. Or or we could talk about Marion Hosa, who will have his number eighty one sweater retired. Tomorrow afternoon, interesting time for the ceremony. A little four thirty action for you. Yeah, little ninety minute pregame show for you, Chief. I, I'm I'm okay with that. You ready to put some work in that day? I'm gonna put some work yeah. in that day. Yeah. So yeah. So so this show, I, I think we, this is gonna be about Haas. It should be. I mean, uh, he's a guy that deserves it. And you know, I have like vivid memories of his first game. Where, which was right about now. I think right. it was November twenty fifth. It was yep. Thanksgiving time. That's where we are in the calendar. And in had, San Jose, in San Jose. And I remember being out, you know, with some some friends for, uh, you know, Black Friday kind of festivities. How old were you in twenty? Give me like, uh, give me. I was twenty. It's two thousand nine. I would have been twenty three. So like fr- fresh okay. out of fresh out of college and you know trying to be an adult. And I remember because he was out. He had, I think it was the shoulder, shoulder injury. Yeah, and it was. And and if people remember that summer, it was like, well, should they resign Havlas? Should they give it to Hosa? They ultimately went Hosa, and there was like a little bit of a discussion about is that the right thing to do? Because Havlat was an important piece of the team sure. before, and then in the dark years, he was like the only shining star. Yes. Okay. So, but then when it, it was the, with the it, only player, the four thousand at the United Center <laughs> yes, were clamoring I, for. I remember when they made the trade for Havlat. I'm like, oh, one nice guy, one good there guy. To, to, yeah, one we, guy. Yeah, one guy. Twenty one steps. Yeah. And uh, but when Hosa came in that game against the Sharks, it took about three shifts. You're like, oh, this guy's different. Yeah, like he's a special, special guy. And uh, you know, I was talking to you know some of my coworkers at Barstool who are not big hockey guys, and you know, it, 
Kane and Taves were like the marketing guys. Okay, like they were the they were the new guys. They were the front of uh, of every advertisement for the team, and it was like Kane was for the kids, and Hoso was like for the dads. Like, yeah, you know, like he was the guy who was like, hey, look at this guy. Look how hard he works. Look right. at you know, and he was like, my dad's favorite player, and I feel like that was that was like a message that was like driven home to to young kids. Like the sizzle, the sizzle's great, and Kane has obviously become much more than just sizzle. But at that point, he was kind of like a power play guy a little bit, and it was. But Hosa did everything perfect. Yeah, and that's really some of the stuff I want to get into, yeah. and how important. That type of player with no ego. It, None. In a, in a day and age when somebody would sign a 12-year contract or, or whatever the length could be, the longest in the NBA or whatever, and you come to a team, the spotlight is on you. He was so good not yep. being a part of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure being in Detroit the year before and Pittsburgh the year prior helped that yeah. because there were you know Hall of Fame players in each of those Crosby, cities. Malkin, Zetterberg, Datsuk. Yeah. Among, you know. and, and I want to get into like how important just one year with Datsuk was. Because like oh, yeah. he he raves about it. I had, had an opportunity to talk to him this week. So we're going to hear a lot from Marion Hosa. But let's kick off this uh, Hosa Palooza with some of his memorable playoff moments on the West Side. Galloping off the last bit of time, they've killed off the penalty. Bowling back, Sokola drives, kicked in front, Scott! It was Hosa at the side of the net. This is three games to two, Chicago. He battles the puck to Marion Hosa. Ryan can't handle him. Now Kopetsky takes over. Good forward. We're sharp with a shot. Rebound. Hosa scores! Great forward for the Blackhawks. And Marion Hosa has finally scored his first goal of the series. The Hawks have a two-goal lead. Here's Brent Siebel. Duncan Keith into sharp. He shoots. Look the save. Rebound. In his third try, finally wins the Stanley Cup. You knew he was next. What a relief! I'm so, I'm so happy we finally did it. You think about the pressure that he was under. You know, he gets traded from Atlanta to Pittsburgh in 08. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it, Melkin and Crosby and Latang and and Flurry and that. Yeah. I mean, they were set to win. And you're you're looked at as oh, you're the final piece, that final piece. And they get all the way to the Stanley Cup final and lose to Detroit. Yeah, right. And then Mike Babcock in the handshake line. Think about that. They just finish off Pittsburgh. Babcock's already thinking about next year. And he says to Haas as they walk by, come to Detroit. <laughs> That's quite a pitch. I mean, yeah. really? Hand, and like, host of this week was like, really? In the handshake line? You're, we're going to start talking like, about Read the room a little bit. Yeah, like, I'm I mean, you know, here. Yeah. yeah. Let, let, yeah. It, let, the, you know, let the, yeah. the tears dry here for a second. So then he goes to Detroit. Mm-hmm. They go to a seventh game. They have it at home against Pittsburgh yep. and lose. You begin to think, Chief. Am I cursed? It's me, yeah. right? It's yeah. not you. It's right. not Zetterberg. It's not 
uh, Datsuk. Right. It's not the the handful of Hall of Famers in that Red Wings dressing room. It's me. And I think you, I might have this wrong, but I feel like he got traded right before the Sens went to, uh, like, they had Heatley, Alfredson, and he, like, that was the host of for Heatley trade, and then they went to the finals in 06 and ultimately lost to the Ducks, but it's like every team he left somehow got, got a little bit better until he came to Chicago. And, you know, you play that montage, and it's just like I can feel the muscles in my face tightening just from just like the little smiles because the memories are so great and he was just such a perfect player and plenty of clutch moments that that game five in Nashville um, you know he gets the, he gets the major comes out of the box gets the winner this great selly he was he is just one of those guys where it's like I, I'm so glad he's getting his number retired because I I do feel like in real time he was a little underappreciated um, by you know there's and I don't think there's anything wrong with this but there was a newer generation of fan where they were hit over the head with Taves and Kane and it was like but this guy at that moment in ten was probably a, the best player on the team yes yeah and and uh, so having him be honored in this way. Um, I'm thrilled about it. So you mentioned the Selly against Nashville. It's the one and only time he ever did that, where he yeah. went down on his knees and spun around. Yeah. And Chief, this is not hyperbole. I still think that's the most important game of the entire three-cup run. I, I would agree. Because if they lose, they're seconds away from going down 3-2 and going back to Nashville's mm-hmm. barn to, to close it out. Right. Then... Then they don't even get out of the first round in 2010. And if you remember, 11 and 12 were one and done. Yep. And they had to make decisions. Like, who knows what the core would have been if you get bounced in the first round? Maybe they do make that infamous uh, Jeremy Roenick trade where, like, trade Patrick Kane for Ryan yeah. Miller. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. He doesn't have I mean, the first. Seriously. Honestly, yeah. So like, you needed that goal in that moment. That that whole run was so fun. Oh. The the Vancouver series. The, it, it was Bobby Lou. Yeah. And, and you know, the Buffalo. Like, oh. the, that that 10 team was probably my favorite team because they had everything. And, and host. Be- best uh, headline, uh, Buffy the Luongo Slayer. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like that, was, that was great. That was great. And he had great celebrations in that, too. I'd love to have him on this show. I don't. Uh, I feel like he's just out in the woods up in Manitoba doing who knows what, hunting and fishing. Here's Hosa on that celly he had against Nashville. It's not my celly, and uh, I was out of it. Like, soon as, you know, all the emotions going through at that one moment and obviously just sitting in the penalty box feeling not really good because you're putting your team down five minutes we score and I'm just praying you know we're gonna survive that penalty kill and I come on from the penalty box right away at the moment and scoring the goal just all the emotions and I don't know what I was doing but I tell you like that <laughs> I never done it in my 500 25 goals, never. This was one and only time. So, you know, it's legendary. (laughs) It absolutely was legendary. And, you know, one thing is Kane getting the equalizer. The next thing is you're going to the room, and they still had, I don't know, three minutes or so of power play time that he's got to sit in the box. So he's still, you know, he could still be the scapegoat there. Totally. And so, uh, I mean, and like knowing the pressure he had on what had happened in Pittsburgh and Detroit the year prior – he must have been thinking, like, I'm snake bit. 
Yeah. It's me. Right. And especially because at that moment, it was you. It dude. was you. It like, was it was you. a bad boarding. Yeah. Like, it, it was, was uncharacteristic. It was a deserved five-minute Total deserved. Major. Totally deserved. And uh, I don't think he ever had a, a misstep ever again his no, entire no, life. No, that was yeah. it. He yeah. just wanted to build up the drama. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. you know. Thank you for that, Haas. So, um, yeah, he was... He was he was so great, and it's like you try to think of these different memories. And you know, my dad used to have um, season tickets. He had season tickets from like well, you got them in like '06, and those were some lean years. But it was I still had fun. And then I used to love him in the shootout because every once in a while, shoot. just absolute rip a yeah. bomb from like ten feet away outside, yeah. the, and and bar down. Yeah. It was like no one had a chance. He he was so fun to watch for such a, a variety of different ways. And you mentioned the Datsuk thing, and Datsuk, that one clip where they just go back and forth like stealing the puck from each yeah. other, like through the neutral zone, and they're just they're playing it like they're at such a high level of the game that they're really even though there's eight other guys in the ice, they're really just playing against themselves. Like, yeah. they are they were that special and that similar in that way, the, the commitment to the defensive side of the puck. It reminds me of watching Kane do two-puck after the yeah. end of every practice now. But you mentioned that, you know, the Datsuk situation. And, you know, he said when they first would start, when he first started to try to take the puck away from him, he could never do it. And yeah. he felt, he felt, you know, horrible. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel good about himself. And then he goes, I finally learned some tricks and things, and it started to piss off Pavel Datsuk. And then, you know, it's like, you know, he's learning from the master. Yeah. And, like, how important that was to take his already stellar 200-foot game, but then take it to the next level yep. where he was so hard on the puck and so hard. Like, that was the thing that, if you said to me, what stands out most, it would be his cycling. hmm and when the puck, when he had it, there was nobody that was going to take it away from him. Well, and, and that in 15, when the Hawks were really, really rolling with that top line, when it was Taves, Hosa, and Saad, it, it was unbelievable to watch those three big boys on the cycle. They had such great chemistry. And it was just like, everyone here is 210 pounds. So good yeah. luck to you. And they're going to shield the puck, and they know how to play. And they're, they can all skate. They're all big. It was like, this is like a perfect modern hockey line. And, and he was the anchor. The one thing that actually bothers me about his career is he never got a Selkie. No. And, and as we entered this period where, for whatever reason, the writers, they're like, well, we can only give it to centers who win face-offs. Yeah. Like- and, it, and it's so bizarre. And I remember guys like uh, in the 90s, the Dallas Stars, Yuri Lettinen. Mm-hmm. And Yuri Lettinen, and talk about, this is like I'm having flashbacks from my own dad. Be like, watch Yuri Lettinen, watch Yuri Lettinen. He was so good defensively and worked so hard. And they gave him a Selkie at one point, 96, 96, something like that in the late 90s. And Hosa absolutely deserved uh, not only just selking consideration, but he like he was that impactful as a, as a winger defensively that he sh- he certainly should have won one at one point. Like the media should apologize. Okay. They should apologize to him. All right, maybe yeah. maybe we'll uh, we'll hear that in in some shape or form uh, tomorrow when he's honored. Four thirty. Uh, there's going to be a ton of Blackhawks, former Blackhawks in the house. Uh, we'll have it for you on NBC Sports Chicago coming up. More from Marion Hosa. He talks about the shady deal that John Muckler uh, put him through when he sent him to Atlanta. And wait till you hear how Haas blew off Muckler the next time he saw him. Uh, we'll get into that. And uh, even things like the skin disorder. that yeah. It seemed a lot of people think that that was a little 
convenient at the end of his career. Hand up, I thought that. Really? Yeah, yeah. when that first broke, and uh, our friend Scott Darling sent me a text. He, I tweeted something like, that's a convenient time to get that, get underneath the cap. And I got a text like, oh, no, dude, that's very real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we'll, we'll get into that as yeah. well. It's all coming up next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. You're listening to The the, the Hockey Hockey Show on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. The Hockey Show, Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. We're back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. We are sponsored by the Chicago Wolves, your Calder Cup champions. Busy weekend for them. They're playing three games in three days. Last night they were in Rockford. Tonight they host the Ice Hogs at Allstate. And then tomorrow they welcome in the Iowa Wild in the afternoon. Tonight is the fourth annual Salvation Army Red Kettle game, as well as monthly Adopt a Dog Night. So uh, get out to uh, Allstate to check out those Chicago Wolves. We are paying homage to one Marion Hosa, the only player in Blackhawks history to wear 81, and the only one that will ever wear. Is that 80. right? I didn't know that. That is no true. No one has ever won it. That's no great. One's ever that's, won it. that's perfect. Just put it behind glass forever. Absolutely. Yep. So back in 2005, he already been putting up some big time numbers with Ottawa, six or seven years there. And, uh, you know, he was due for a new contract and he's back in Slovakia and he's dealing with John Muckler, the GM of Ottawa, and they can't come to an agreement. So he's going to go to arbitration. So they, they, he flies from Slovakia mm-hmm. to Toronto and then right before they go into the arbitration hearing, they meet in a room, and all of a sudden, Mucko's like, no, yeah, we'll give you what, exactly what you want. And he's like, huh? What's, what's going on? Why so this is, <laughs> this is how the shady deal went down between Hosa, the Senators, and then the Atlanta Thrashers. Well, obviously, uh, they had uh, some uh, deal already pre-made. And uh, which we didn't know about it, and uh, we tried to get. Uh, you know, I just felt like I, I was there like uh, several years. I think seven years already, or right. six years with Ottawa. I had uh, really decent numbers, and I just felt like it was time to step up also with the salary. And uh, we look around the league, like the guys uh, around my, uh, you know, numbers, what they had, and uh, we tried to ask for, you know, fair deal. And uh, they didn't want to give it to me, so okay, let's go for arbitration then. So when, in the morning. In Toronto, a few minutes before arbitration, they call us like if you can meet in a small room, really small room, four of us, my agent and John McLaren and Peter Shirelli, later on uh, GM for Boston Bruins. And, um, you know, they told me they're going to give me the deal. I was like, hold on a second, hold on a second. Like, I flew all the way here from <laughs> Slovakia to you guys telling me you guys five minutes before arbitration, you want to de- give me the deal. I was like, on the one way I was happy, I was like, great, but I didn't get it. You know, like, why now? Like, why not sign it, make it easier, right? But uh, I find out a few hours later, you know, when John Mackler called me in uh, on a plane and I was sitting there on a plane and he's like, Marianne, we're trading you to Atlanta Thrashers. I was like speechless at the same time. I was like, okay, bye. That was it, what I said uh, to John. And I had nine hours in front of me to think like what just happened. <laughs> well, it's a cruel way to find out the business side of hockey right there. Um, I thought it was great. 
only because it's it's really not your personality, but you're playing for Atlanta the next time you play Ottawa and you're chatting with some of your former teammates in the hallway and John Muckler walks up. <laughs> what happens there? So obviously we won. I, I think I scored a couple of goals, so I had like really strong game. First time in Ottawa, I feeling good, you know, chatting with the uh, ex-Senators players, uh, my ex-teammates. And all of a sudden I see like uh, my vision, you know, like uh, f the obvious walk, uh, you know, it's John Muckler, you know, coming towards and that's uh, we never met after that, right? They never called me anymore and obviously that's a business. Yeah. And uh, so he's walking by and uh, he interrupts the conversation with the seven of us there, around seven people. And he's like tapped my shoulder, so I turned around. Obviously, I knew that was him already. And he, you know, pointed his hand at me, and uh, you know, so I let it hang. I look, at, <laughs> I look at him in the eye, and uh, I turn around and keep talking to the guys. And he, you know, just hanging there. And obviously, I just want to, you know, that's not my personality. No. But I, at the time, I just felt, you know, okay, buddy, like you could do it a little bit differently. Uh, I, I wasn't here like two games, you know. Right. I was here seven years and I just felt like, you know, but, you know, it's behind me and, uh, you know, lots of good things happened afterwards. Yeah, I'd say some good things happened after that. But yeah. uh, it was good to see he, uh, you know, he was rightfully so pissed off. Yeah, stood up for himself in that moment. And he's like, you know, that is not his personality. And that's true. That is my personality. Like that story resonated with me. Yeah, like, yeah, you're not getting a handshake out of me. Buddy. No, no. And, uh, and I just looked it up. He finished in the top five for the Selkie one time. Really? One time he finished fifth in 2013. I, I don't I mean, know. It, it, just this always give it to a center. Yeah. Like it's got to be, It's it was like the Bergeron. Bergeron, yeah. And he's, and it's deserved, but right. not every year. Not every year, and and it's. I, I think there's there's more to being a defensive player than winning faceoffs, and it just feels like, oh well, he's he won fifty eight percent this year, so he's got to win it. So after he uh, he goes to Atlanta, he's playing with Kovalchuk, and he's mm -hmm. putting up some pretty insane numbers, including a hundred point season, a ninety two point season, had forty three goals in uh, two thousand seven. Uh, finally, he's like, look, I got to go somewhere where I yeah. can win. And so he asked to be moved, and he's uh, he's traded to Pittsburgh. Good spot. Good spot for him. I think he had some injuries that when he got there. He was dealing with that a little bit. You know, they got to the finish line, but not quite through it. And then he had that decision in uh, in 2008, that summer. His hockey idol is Mario Lemieux, owner of the Penguins at the time. And they're courting him, and they, they made him a real fair offer, mm -hmm. like a four- or five-year deal. And he ends up turning down that to go to Detroit for one year. Stunning. Stun I think the, I think he shocked the whole hockey world when he did the one-year deal. So he, so here's Hosa on that. This is from the Blackhawks Talk podcast that I had with Marion Hosa earlier this week and Charlie Romeliotis. When he told me we, we threw a trade at you to Pittsburgh, I was like, yes, you know, like this is a strong <laughs> team, young superstar, Sidney Crosby, Gino Malkin, you know, Latank, Flaring and Ed. I said, like, this is amazing, you know, this great chance. Mario Lemieux, my uh, one of heroes, you know, the owner of the team. So, uh, you know, that was my goal to be in a strong team, and we had like great run. We ended up a little short against the Red Wings, and then when Mario called me in the summer, I think that was 2008, and uh, I, you know, they offered me five-year deal and playing with Sidney Crosby. Now when I was writing the book, I was thinking and sitting there, I was like, what the hell I was thinking? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, 
and I, I'm sure like in Pittsburgh uh, offices they were like same thing right like what is he thinking yeah what is thinking and uh, I'm signing one year in Detroit and my dad called me after that I signed I was like uh, I hope you know what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I just had my vision you know this is what I want to do and for some reason I want to learn from uh, from the future Hall of Famers, and uh, that's why I signed that. Kenny Holland couldn't believe you signed. Like, you, you have that st the story in the book where he walks in and he goes, and he took less yeah. than we, you know. Cause Wait, why did you take less? Because you didn't want to bother Nick Lidstrom on vacation? Well, he told me he's going to, you know, my, actually my agent told me that he's, you know, have to check with Nick because Nick is the highest paid uh, Red Wing. And I just felt like, you know, I don't bother like I take a little less you know so I you know Nick stays there and it's like a couple hundred thousand like this is like not about money because if it's about money I would be in Edmonton for <laughs> eight nine years they right. offer me like crazy amount but I, I uh, there was you know I said like no thank you like I want to go there who does that anymore you like, know it, it, I'm glad it was Lidstrom because he had that nickname of like oh like Lidstrom's a perfect human yeah he's the perfect human host is pretty close like, yeah you know like there it seems like they're Kane so similar said this week the perfect hockey player right he, he is he called him yeah perfect hockey player. He is, he's perfect and uh yeah that's he he man we're so lucky that we had him here we really are and, and like a great player Great example to show to a relatively young team. And we're going to talk to Chris Versteeg, who was one of those young guys, mm -hmm. uh, in, in just a bit. And, you know, he sets the tone in the room. Eagleless player, let Kane and Taves be the, you know, the, the cornerstones that they were. Duncan Keith doing his thing. Seabrook, the leader, yep. really in that room, the most vocal of mm -hmm. anybody. And, uh, he just was going about his Hall of Fame way. And Our boy Sharpie. Sharpie. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where, you know, there's a lot of weight put on, like, well, who's going to wear, especially by the fans, who's going to wear the letter? Who's going to have the C's? Who's going to have the A's? And you don't need a letter on your chest to be a leader. And Marion Hosa really proved that because he's a guy who, who played the right way every single shift. I'm sure he was like that in practice too. I'm sure he was like that in the weight room too. He did everything perfectly. And, uh, and, and yeah, like you said, like who knows if, uh, if, you know, if he doesn't score that goal, who knows what it looks like. If he signs, like you said, for a gazillion dollars in Edmonton, I, I mean, I have a hard time imagining the Hawks maybe even winning maybe one instead of three, like maybe if you're lucky, because the, the margin for error is so small, and there's only one Marion Hosa. And you just think of all the defending he did mm -hmm. in, in those series and being a big guy it's on a relatively small team. Yeah. You know, um, The other thing, so we talked about the skin disorder. And it, it seemed like it was a convenient excuse at the end of his contract because the last four years or so of his contract, he was only making like a million dollars in real money, even though the cap hit was around six or whatever it was. Um, but this is something he had been dealing with. So we asked uh, Marion to, to bring us up to speed of, you know, where he's at now with this skin disorder and what he dealt with. Here's what he had to say. There is one chapter in the book, right, uh, about the skin condition, because I understand lots of people didn't get it, right? Like it's, uh, you know, 2018, like there are so many new things, you know, like you have to, you know, doctors, they have to help you. You know, we try so many things last uh, three, four years, uh, different underwear underneath the equipment, uh, different, uh, like keep changing the equipment parts where I was uh, have the worst uh, skin problems. Then uh, I was taking like uh, mm, creams, you know, on the, on the, on the spots. 
And at the end, nothing worked. So I have to be on a strong uh, cyclosporin uh, pill, uh, which like almost people taking after chemotherapy. So, and my wife didn't like it. Uh, she's against the pills and uh, she understood that like I want to keep playing, but uh, I knew this is not solution, right? Right. So at the one point I have to stop taking those pills and I felt bad because I felt like I had still lots in my tank. I had like 26, 27 goals that year. Right. I feel like great. I, I feel like I can beat anybody skating wise in my in my team, even like 37 year old. And but at the end, you have to make a decision. So uh, I did, and uh, I know it didn't look for some other teams maybe great because you know my last four years went really down in the contract. So everybody thought, oh yeah, like this is like set, right? Yeah. But uh, that wasn't the case because I just felt like I could play another three or four years. You know, Chief, he put up. 45 points in his last year. He was 26 and 19 uh, in 73 games in, in 2017. He was playing at a pretty high level. Yeah, he really was. And he had had a couple of years where like he just wasn't getting the, the, the puck lock where the shooting percentage was down. When he had that kind of bounce back year, statistically at least, where he had the 26 regular season goals, I was really convinced that he was going to be like Yager where he just play until 45, his game is going to age well, he protect the puck, he's got the bomb of his shot, he's so smart. The, the other thing that I used to love about it, the reverse hits. Where oh, he yeah. would just, you know, the one against L.A., Dustin Brown just put him on his wallet, that was great. And, uh, and yeah, I, I really thought that he was going to be a guy who could play forever. There's just, there must be something in the water, that part of the world, where Yager from uh, Czech Republic, Chara, Chara Slovak, Slovakia, and then Hosa, Slovakia, where something, the, the, the snow, the, the spring. Is Gabrick? Uh, I'm sorry. The, the, who Gabrick's from Slovakia, too. Okay. I don't know if he, he didn't play quite as long, I don't think. No. But the longevity, there just must be a fountain of youth running off the Alps over there in Europe that those three guys are just able to play forever. And, uh, and, and Haas was, you know, I, I was, you know, I'm still in this mindset where it's like you, you got to get as much out of this group as you can. And it's like I just had him penciled in, like, when this contract's up, he'll probably get one more year at a million bucks. And I'll just keep it going. <laughs> the 13th he, year. Yeah, right. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from two-time Stanley Cup champion Chris Versteeg. What was it like being teammates with the one and only Marion Hall? So that's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Back before you know it, we are Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. You're listening to The Hockey Show. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I'm Pat Boyle. Blackhawks in Boston this evening. It's a uh, 5.30 pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago. They are back at the United Center tomorrow against Pittsburgh, one of Marion Hosts' former teams. 4.30, the Hostess ceremony will take place. So uh, you got a ticket for that one. Get there early. It is our pleasure to welcome in one of Hostess' former teammates, he is a two-time Stanley Cup champion here with your Chicago Blackhawks. The one and only Chris Versteeg. How you doing, Steger? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about Marion Hosa here today. And uh, what was it like being a young guy on that team and in walks Marion Hosa with already a ton of credentials and, and like a Hall of Fame resume? 
you know when you walk by those Greek statues like Zeus, when he's got like no shirt on, he's ripped, and um, they have just a aura about them? That's basically what Marian Hosa was. He comes in, he's just this tank of a human, and that's why we called him a Greek god from day one. But he's he's got an insane aura to him. He's got a presence. Uh, and then when you see him on the ice, it's like a racehorse. I remember his first ever practice with us, he was flying up and down the ice, just flying. And I remember thinking, I talked to Kaner, and we look at each other, and we're like, well, that, that's a $7 million player. I remember we <laughs> said it to each other. Like, just the way he was, the way he skated, and the way he worked, it was it was such a presence to be around. Uh, we talked about his first game earlier today, uh, that San Jose game around Thanksgiving time, so right around now. Did you guys, like, watch that, him play in, like, game action first time and be like, oh, we're winning the Cup? Oh, yeah, right away. Because at the start, remember, Havlat was a heck of a player, and right. he still is, right? And he was just he was a guy that I had a great relationship with. We kind of ran that second power play, and he was such a smart and, and such a good player, and everyone loved him. So when we lost Havlat and we got Host, we all knew what Host could do, but you're just not around him every day, and we, we really thought we were going to miss Havlat, especially from the power play or from the, like, from the playmaking standpoint. So we didn't get a Seahawks for the first few months. And when he came in in that first game and he just took over and it was a man playing boys, that's where we're like, holy, he's the guy that could put us over the top. Christopher Stieg joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I'm Pat Boyle. You know, I didn't really realize until I was reading his book, Chris, is, is the pressure that was on him after – you know, going to Pittsburgh and falling short in the Stanley Cup final, then going to Detroit the next year and losing in Game 7 to Pittsburgh. He signs the huge deal, comes here. Did you get the sense as the playoffs rolled around in 2010 that that there was a lot of pressure on him and, and the, there was a lot of weight for him to, to finally get this elusive cup? 100%. 100%. You can feel it. Um, I could not imagine going to the cup finals losing and then going and against my old team and losing the next year, right? Like that would have been insane in itself. And then when he came to Chicago, obviously early on, I'm sure we don't feel that as his teammates, but the way, when I felt the pressure that was on him was Nashville game five, you know, he took that penalty and you could see him going to the box and he probably should have been thrown out of the game. Right. But he goes to the box. He serves his five minutes and I remember all of us kind of like sitting around on the bench and you're looking at Haas slumped over in the box like this this poor guy, right? This guy has had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's been brought here to win a cup and now, you know, this, this hit from behind is going to put us down three games to two and he's going to have to wear it. And then he comes out of the box and he scores. And when he did that double knee slide, it's just almost like, you know, he himself could feel the weight start to come off his shoulders. If he was just going to start to play his game, things are going to happen instead of try to always force it, uh, which, again, in the first five games, I don't think were his best games, right? And then after that goal, he really started to take off. So I think the pressure was feeling it, and then he took that penalty, and, and for whatever reason, it ended up working out. Kane scores, and he scores the winner. And it was just a wild, wild game. But that's where I I felt it the most from, from Marion. Yeah, and Chris, you're working on this app. Uh, we talked about it when you were on uh, Redline Radio before, too, called Clever, where you clip up. Parents have the ability, coaches have the ability to clip up uh, certain plays to use as a teaching platform, correct? Correct, yeah. yeah. So what we've done is we streamline the ability for a parent, athlete, and coach to take a clip, teach a clip, and share it. And we also have a, a marketplace within there and you know eight different sports where you can reach out to professionals to, that can critique you and help you. So 
uh, yeah, it's been a long time to build it, and, and it's out now. So, actually, you know what, Chief? You're a great guy. You've given me more shout-outs already about Clever than, than the Blackhawks have, so thank you. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm always here for If you're going to clip up a Clever teaching moment for Hosa, like what is like the thing about his game that you would want to like have all young hockey players, the old Eddie O, stop it right here. We're going to teach you this thing right now. Well, do you have a moment in your brain like that's a Marion yeah. Hosa play? So, so Sidney Crosby skating down the ice full speed and Hosa comes from like a zone away and picks his pocket and takes it back down the ice and then creates offense off that. That was just Marion Hosa ask every time, the other guys on the ice had the puck. They had to be aware that he was coming with back pressure. And Scott Bo- Scotty Bowman was talking one time, I remember, and I was kind of eavesdropping uh, on him. He was sitting in front of me, and he said the one thing he looks for most in players is their ability to get the puck back, and nobody does that better than Marion Hosa. And that would be something I would I would use my app for every day, and I actually I do. I do use it for is I, I take clips of those moments and I send it to the players and show them these are attributes you look for. These are things that you want in your players, and these are the things that you want to build at a young age. And uh, if I ever want my kids to watch one player play and, and watch old film and understand what it takes to be the best pro around, is watch what Marion Hosa does on the back check and look what he's willing to do to get it back and the ways, the creative ways he's willing to go about it to get the puck back. So here's my question to you, because it's it's kind of like the Zegras effect that we're seeing every day on social media. We see. Uh, videos and TikToks and whatnot of, you know, an eight-year-old kid in Alberta spinning and and putting in a lacrosse goal or whatever, you know, and and you're talking about the fundamentals and and doing something Hosa-like, which is not exactly, you know, for the kid right now, probably not the most sexy thing in hockey. How how do you weigh that? Like, this is what you really need to do and, and stop working on the Michigan goal. Well, that, that's it, and that's why I was like, I went back to minor hockey. I'm actually, we're not a part of it anymore. We have our own league, an academy league, but we go to minor hockey, and all these these guys that think they're hockey coaches, they want to go from grade a uh, grade one to grade four because they go on Instagram and they see kids picking it up and flipping it up and and shooting it into the net. And yeah, what Zegras is doing is incredible, and he's finding amazingly creative ways to get there. But Zegras didn't go to grade four before he went to grade one, and that's what you're talking about. You're talking about fundamentals. You're talking about learning how to stick handle properly with your head up, edging, proper uh, proper instructions that can get you to that point to where you're in a game. You don't even have to think about picking it up, and you're picking it up and putting it in the net, rather than just going right to learning to pick the puck up. Like, how many times are you going to actually be able to pick it up, slow it down, and pick it up and put it in the net? But if you work on the fundamentals that build you into that player where you can be like Zegris that can just pick it up and not think twice about it and put it in the net, that's what you want to get to. But that's what you need. You need the fundamentals. You need the hard work. Because if you're not going to work hard, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to play for me and you're not going to play for other coaches if you're not going to understand the basics and what you need in order to become a great player and a great pro. At at what grade do you start teaching people the uh, shootout slap shot bomb from the slot that Hosa would do? <laughs> right away, my, you know we have well. So like with our kids, right? Like in my academy, we tell kids, you know, on breakaways when you're working at the end of practice, work on things you want to work on that make you better, but also be creative and have fun. And there are kids now that you know we got this little D man. He'll fly down the ice and take a clapper right from the top, you know, right from the hash marks basically. And it reminds me of you know a thing like Haas would do. It's wild. It's wild that you know guys like Haas paved such a way. Um, for so many young kids and players, and we're still using his stuff today to teach, and you're going to use it for another 100 years past now. 
Two-time Stanley Cup champion Chris Versteeg joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. So obviously Hawks are early on in this rebuild, and, and you know we're monitoring everything that's going on in, in Rockford and, and the different prospects all over uh, North America. When you were in Rockford with Bickle, with Bolin, with Brower, uh, did you guys sense that you were kind of laying a foundation uh, that was going to you know help uh, fortify you know a cup run? Honestly, at the time, no. I was just more worried about being better than those guys so I could get a job in the lineup. That's that's kind of how I thought at that time. You know, I get traded to Norfolk. Uh, I'm one of the bigger prospects after having a really good rookie year in Boston. And at the end of the year, I come to the Hawks, and it's like I go way down the totem pole because of all the talent they have. So me personally, at the time, all I could think about was taking care of business so I could have an opportunity to play in the NHL. Um the next year, the full-time year in Rockford, again, that was still some. It was basically just try to figure it out for myself. How can I be better than these players to give me the opportunity to play in the NHL? I think I realized there was a ton of guys there, a ton of high draft picks and guys that had amazing ability. But my personal thought was that's what I needed to do. And then once we got to the NHL, you did start to realize, wow, there's a lot of puzzle pieces here that take to make a great team. Not only guys that are great in the room, guys that have different attributes, guys that think differently and do different jobs, and that's what you need to make up a great team. You can't have everyone doing the same thing. You know, I look at Toronto Maple Leafs. They have, like, five poor man's Mitch Marners on the roster, right? (laughs) We had a lot of different guys who do a lot of different things, and that's why we were great. But you could start to see it, I think, in that 08-09 year for me. Yeah, did you... Sorry, Pedro, you have something? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm new at this. I'm still new at this. Um, yeah, we, we played the, the great Marion Hosa, uh, the, his highlight reel, and we, we've talked about his defense. Is that something that was contagious, where it's like, well, if he's doing it, I got to do it too? Well, we talked about Quenville. He sees Marion Hosa go flying down the ice and back check and pick him. And then he's like, Sneaker, why aren't you doing that? I'm like, because I can only skate half as fast as him, <laughs> right? And I'm half his weight, half his size. I'm trying. I'm actually trying. I'm just not near that good. So he set such a, a standard for the team. You know, every single game, every shift, every effort. I, You know, I read the first piece of the book. And, and uh, Quendall talks about a low-maintenance player, a guy that you didn't have to think about much. You just knew if you got to the game, he was going to give you his effort and, and a pretty consistent effort, close to 100. He's not always playing 100, but he's going to buffer it close to 100 as much as possible and, and more than probably anyone else in the lineup. And I think that's what the Hawks miss today, right? Yeah. They obviously miss a lot of pieces, a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things, but they miss the consistency and the effort that everyone would feed off a guy like Marion each and every night. I tell you what, uh, Blackhawks fans miss Christopher Stieg. You're always a fan favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Buddy. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. So, now, you know, if you, I know you got the academy and you got the app and you're coaching and doing everything. Uh, you know, next time you're in town, don't be shy. Come by. We'd love to have you on the pregame show and, uh, and uh, reminisce about the great years. Yeah, you let me know. When I'm back, uh, I would love to come by. That is two-time Stanley Cup champion Chris Versteeg. Thanks for your time, Chris, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, boys. Thanks, Steger. We'll wrap up the hockey show after this. You're listening to the Hockey Show. We are Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. You're listening to The Hockey Show on the AM at 1000, on the FM at 100.3 HD2, on your phone, through the ESPN Chicago app.
Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. We are sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. Tonight they host Rockford, and then tomorrow afternoon it's the Iowa Wild at Allstate Arena. Tonight it's the fourth annual Salvation Army Red Kettle Game, as well as Adopt a Dog Month. Thanks to our great producer, Kendra Smith, who uh, did a great job putting together all the, the host clips for us today. Thanks to Chris Versteeg. By the way, his app is clever. K-L-E-V-R dot A-I. And it, uh, it gives coaches and parents uh, the ability to uh, it's so helpful. clip tape, yeah. you know, tape up so that they can use it to... Super easy. So if you're running tape on your whole game, you'll be able to get your 8, 10, 12 second, whatever clip you need. You, it's ve- very user-friendly, and then you send that off and use that as a teaching moment. All right, so Marion Hosa honored tomorrow. 81 jersey goes to the rafters. 4.30 is the start of uh, that ceremony, and we'll have it for you on NBC Sports Chicago. question we had for Marion in the podcast the other day was, you know, is he going to end up working for the Blackhawks? Here's what he had to say. I know it's uh, taking a little time, uh, but, uh, you know, if I'm committed, I want to be committed 100% uh, to a certain role. Obviously, it's difficult uh, to be involved, like, fully because... I uh, mean, living in Slovakia, I do. It wouldn't be fair, you know, to take some role and uh, not do it 100 percent. So uh, we try to maybe start slower. And uh, I already get something in my head uh, talking to, you know, Danny and Jamie. And uh, I am sure, like, uh, we're gonna have a good meetings here in Chicago and uh, to finalize it. So it sounds like something's in the works. I don't, I don't know to what detail it is. Let him do anything. Yeah. Like get him. Inv- you're, you're never gonna regret having Hosa involved in your organization. Great guy, smart, knows the game inside and out. And there's probably nobody that I would trust more. Like, if he has an opinion about something hockey-related, it's right. <laughs> like, whatever he says You're goes. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Hey, this was fun, reminiscing yeah. about Haas. Oh, yeah. Is your dad's birthday? Is it, it was his birthday on Wednesday. All so, right. yeah. Well, so, shout birthday. out Billy. Yeah. Happy birthday, Billy. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Hockey Show. Hawks in action in Boston on this night. And we'll see you next week on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief on the ESPN Chicago Triple Play, AM, FM, and app.